Section nine of the girl with the golden eyes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. The girl with the golden eyes by Honoré de Balzac, translated by Ellen Marriage. Section nine. At breakfast, by the time he had started his cigars, de Marsay began to see the events of the night in a singular light. Like many men of great intelligence, his perspicuity was not spontaneous, as it did not at once penetrate to the heart of things as with all natures endowed with the faculty of living greatly in the present of extracting so to speak the essence of it and assimilating it his second sight had need of a sort of slumber before it could identify itself with causes cardinal de richelieu was so constituted and it did not debar in him the gift of foresight necessary to the conception of great designs de marsay's conditions were alike but at first he only used his weapons for the benefit of his pleasures and only became one of the most profound politicians of his day when he had saturated himself with those pleasures to which a young man's thoughts when he has money and power are primarily directed man hardens himself thus he uses woman in order that she may not make use of him at this moment then de marsay perceived that he had been fooled by the girl of the golden eyes seeing as he did in perspective all that night of which the delights had been poured upon him by degrees until they had ended by flooding him in torrents he could read at last that page in effect so brilliant divine its hidden meaning the purely physical innocence of paquita the bewilderment of her joy certain words obscure at first but now clear which had escaped her in the midst of that joy all proved to him that he had posed for another person as no social corruption was unknown to him as he professed a complete indifference towards all perversities and believed them to be justified on the simple ground that they were capable of satisfaction he was not startled at vice he knew it as one knows a friend but he was wounded at having served as sustenance for it if his presumption was right he had been outraged in the most sensitive part of him the mere suspicion filled him with fury he broke out with the roar of a tiger who has been the sport of a deer 
the cry of a tiger which united a brute's strength with the intelligence of the demon. "'I say, what is the matter with you?' asked Paul. "'Nothing.' I should be sorry if you were to be asked whether you had anything against me, and where to reply with a nothing like that. It would be a sure case of fighting the next day." "'I fight no more duels,' said de Marsay. "'That seems to me even more tragical. Do you assassinate, then?' you travesty words i execute my dear friend said paul your jokes are of a very sombre colour this morning what would you have pleasure ends in cruelty why i don't know and am not sufficiently curious to try and find out these cigars are excellent give your friend some tea. Do you know, Paul, I live a brute's life. It should be time to choose oneself a destiny, to employ one's powers on something which makes life worth living. Life is a singular comedy. I am frightened. I laugh at the inconsequence of our social order. The government cuts off the heads of poor devils who may have killed a man, and licenses creatures who dispatch, medically speaking, a dozen young folks in a season. Morality is powerless against a dozen vices which destroy society, and which nothing can punish. Another cup! upon my word of honour man is a jester dancing upon a precipice they talk to us about the immorality of the liaison dangereuse and any other book you like with a vulgar reputation but there exists a book horrible filthy fearful corrupting which is always open and will never be shut the great book of the world not to mention another book a thousand times more dangerous which is composed of all that men whisper into each other's ears or women murmur behind their fans of an evening in society henri there is certainly something extraordinary the matter with you that is obvious in spite of your active discretion yes come i must kill the time until this evening let's to the tables perhaps i shall have the good luck to lose de marsay rose took a handful of banknotes and folded them into his cigar case dressed himself and took advantage of Paul's carriage to repair to the Salon des Étrangers, where until dinner he consumed the time in those exciting alternations of loss and gain, which are the last resource of powerful organizations 
when they are compelled to exercise themselves in the void in the evening he repaired to the trysting place and submitted complacently to having his eyes bandaged then with that firm will which only really strong men have the faculty of concentrating he devoted his attention and applied his intelligence to the task of divining through what streets the carriage passed he had a sort of certitude of being taken to the rue saint lazare and being brought to a halt at the little gate in the garden of the hotel saint real when he passed as on the first occasion through this gate and was put in a litter carried doubtless by the mulatto and the coachman he understood as he heard the gravel grate beneath their feet why they took such minute precautions he would have been able had he been free or if he had walked to pluck a twig of laurel to observe the nature of the soil which clung to his boots whereas transported so to speak ethereally into an inaccessible mansion his good fortune must remain what it had been hitherto a dream but it is man's despair that all his work whether for good or evil is imperfect all his labours physical or intellectual are sealed with the mark of destruction there had been a gentle rain the earth was moist at night-time certain vegetable perfumes are far stronger than during the day henri could smell therefore the scent of the mignonette which lined the avenue along which he was conveyed this indication was enough to light him in the researches which he promised himself to make in order to recognize the hotel which contained paquita's boudoir he studied in the same way the turnings which his bearers took within the house and believed himself able to recall them as on the previous night he found himself on the ottoman before paquita who was undoing his bandage but he saw her pale and altered she had wept on her knees like an angel in prayer but like an angel profoundly sad and melancholy the poor girl no longer resembled the curious impatient and impetuous creature who had carried de marsay on her wings to transport him to the seventh heaven of love there was something so true in this despair veiled by pleasure that the terrible de marsay felt within him an admiration for this new masterpiece of nature and forgot for the moment the chief interest of his assignation what is the matter with thee my paquita my friend she said carry me away this very night bear me to some place where no one can answer there is a girl with a golden gaze here who has long hair 
yonder i will give thee as many pleasures as thou wouldst have of me then when you love me no longer you shall leave me i shall not complain i shall say nothing and your desertion need cause you no remorse for one day passed with you only one day in which i have had you before my eyes will be worth all my life to me but if i stay here i am lost i cannot leave paris little one replied henri i do not belong to myself i am bound by a vow to the fortune of several persons who stand to me as i do to them but i can place you in a refuge in paris where no human power can reach you no she said you forget the power of woman never did phrase uttered by human voice express terror more absolutely what could reach you then if i put myself between you and the world poison she said dona concha suspects you already and she resumed letting the tears fall and glisten on her cheeks it is easy enough to see i am no longer the same well if you abandon me to the fury of the monster who will destroy me your holy will be done but come let there be all the pleasures of life in our love besides i will implore i will weep and cry out and defend myself perhaps i shall be saved whom will you implore he asked silence said paquita if i obtain mercy it will perhaps be on account of my discretion give me my robe said henri insidiously no no she answered quickly be what you are one of those angels whom i have been taught to hate and in whom i saw only ogres whilst you are what is fairest under the skies she said caressing henri's hair you do not know how silly i am i have learned nothing since i was twelve years old i have been shut up without ever seeing any one i can neither read nor write i can only speak english and spanish how is it then that you receive letters from london my letters see here they are she said proceeding to take some papers out of a tall japanese vase she offered de marsay some letters in which the young man saw with surprise strange figures similar to those of a rebus traced in blood and illustrating phrases full of passion but he cried marvelling at these hieroglyphics created by the alertness of jealousy you are in the power of an infernal genius infernal she repeated but how then were you able to get out 
ah she said that was my ruin i drove dona concha to choose between the fear of immediate death and anger to be i had the curiosity of a demon i wished to break the bronze circle which they had described between creation and me i wished to see what young people were like for i knew nothing of man except the marquis and cristemio our coachman and the lackey who accompanies us are old men but you were not always thus shut up your health ah she answered we used to walk but it was at night and in the country by the side of the seine away from people are you not proud of being loved like that no she said no longer however full it be this hidden life is but darkness in comparison with the light what do you call the light thee my lovely adolf thee for whom i would give my life all the passionate things that have been told me and that i have inspired i feel for thee for a certain time i understood nothing of existence but now i know what love is and hitherto i have been the loved one only for myself i did not love i would give up everything for you take me away if you like take me as a toy but let me be near you until you break me you will have no regrets not one she said letting him read her eyes whose golden tint was pure and clear am i the favoured one said henri to himself if he suspected the truth he was ready at that time to pardon the offence in view of a love so single-minded i shall soon see he thought if paquita owed him no account of the past yet the least recollection of it became in his eyes a crime he had therefore the sombre strength to withhold a portion of his thought to study her even while abandoning himself to the most enticing pleasures that ever peri descended from the skies had devised for her beloved end of section nine recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey